hymns that we sung this morning. John chapter 8, and we'll be looking at, Lord willing, verses 31 through 36 this morning as we look at this passage and emphasize that the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. We, we, we saw last week at the end of the, the message, at the end of the passage there in verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Now we have also seen back in John chapter 7 that there were a group of people who believed on Jesus. And there is no indication that, that they did not have genuine uh, profession, that they did not have genuine faith. In this passage, we'll see that these who believed on him, there, there's something in the, the, the passage here as we continue to look that causes us to have some wonder, to have some question. Are these genuine disciples? And I've been back and forth with uh, studying and researching out for this message, and there's some commentators who say the, the group that believed on him they were not genuine believers. And then there's other commentators who say these are genuine believers. I tend to, without being overly dogmatic, I tend to believe that there are two groups here. There are the believers, the genuine believers, and then there's still that antagonistic group, the Jews, as they're identified as, that group led by a group of religious leaders who were looking to persecute Jesus, who were looking ultimately to take him and to murder him. And I believe that there's going to be two different groups. There's going to be some who genuinely believe in Jesus. And we are going to see in this passage the marks of genuine discipleship. We're going to be able to look at two in this passage. There are many others. As a matter of fact, John, so consumed with true belief, true faith, true saving faith, John will write an entire epistle, 1 John on assurance of salvation, evidences of one's salvation. In 1 John, if we have uh, the, the time, Lord willing, uh, there, are so many, there are so many series, so many books that I, I, I want to preach on. I, I get so excited sometimes. There, there's all kinds of series, all kinds of books, all kinds of messages uh, that, I, that I want to preach. I don't know if there's going to be enough time uh, to do all that. But I, I would love to be able to preach through 1 John and look at the, the evidences of genuine salvation. Uh, John writes an entire epistle on that. We're only going to be able to look at two marks of true discipleship in, in this passage that we're looking at this morning. But we see that many believed on him. So there was a profession of faith. And there are lots of people that we meet today who make a profession of faith. I think the statistics are out that there's like 80-something percent, maybe it's uh, 87, I forget the the number, it's in the high 80s of people who would consider themselves spiritual. They may not be religious, but they consider themselves spiritual. That speaks to the fact that we have eternity in our hearts. Man, every person worships something or someone. But there are many others who claim to be religious or spiritual who will even say, yes, I'm a believer in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus. You've met people like that. They claim to be a follower of Jesus. They don't go to church. Maybe, maybe once or twice a year they go. Occasionally they might go to church. So there are some who they claim to know Jesus as their Savior. They claim to be a follower of Jesus. They claim to be a, claim to be a believer in Jesus but they don't really go to church. They don't have any habits of Bible reading, of Bible study. They never get together with a, 
group of believers. Most of their social interactions are with the unsaved or with social clubs and social groups. But getting together with believers is, is, is rare. But they claim to be followers of Jesus. You'll knock on a door. You'll pass out a track. You'll meet people. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. But then when you really find out some more about their life, their life is full of habitual sins. There's really no evidence of genuine, true belief and discipleship. So where is this group at? Again, without being overly dogmatic, I believe there are some in this group who genuinely get saved and genuinely follow Christ. And then we'll get down further in the passage and we'll see that those Jews, the Jews, that group of antagonistic haters of Jesus, they will speak out, they will come forward again in the conversation and and they'll begin to attack Jesus once again. But we look here in verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. In Matthew 16, in verse 24, really what is a parallel verse, we read, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. These really aren't two different messages. Christ is really saying the same thing in a couple of different ways. Verse 31 again, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Disciples speaks of genuine followers, genuine learners. We are commanded to go and to teach all nations, to literally to make disciples of all nations. Evangelism is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Discipleship, genuine discipleship. It is first of all marked by continuing in the truth. Continuing in the truth is a mark of true discipleship. We read here, if ye continue in my words... We can use the word continuing, some might use the word endurance, some might use the word perseverance. But the point is that this word continue, it means to remain, it means to stay, it means to abide. Now, there are lots of organizations, memberships, maybe you're a member of a particular organization or of a club or uh, some social group, or maybe you have a gym membership and uh, we've allowed a a couple of our boys to to have gym memberships and if they only went to the gym to work out oh say once a month would we consider that continuing would we consider that abiding would we consider that endurance or perseverance once a month Uh, maybe I don't know if there would be any progress made if there be any progress made as far as muscle and weight loss and the other types of evidences that would come from regular continuing in the exercise regimen of a gym membership but there are some who they are almost there every single day if one of my boys shows up at the the gym they can almost guarantee that a certain person is going to be there. There's a 
faithfulness, there's a continuance, there's an endurance. Now, as I've gotten older, I've, I've, my, my dad said when I was growing up, wait, wait till you get married, and, and then you're going to start putting on the weight. And uh, I got married, and, and the, the weight didn't really come on that much. Um, I, was, I was thankful. I, I went through several years of marriage, and I, I really didn't gain a lot of weights. My dad said, okay, well, wait, wait till you're 40. Wait till you're 40. I, I turned 40. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of struggle. I, I, I started to gain a little bit, but then I hit like 42, 43, 44, and all of a sudden, it, it, the, the, the fat comes back, and it won't stay away. It, it, it just won't go away, and it just you exercise, and you have to continue in an exercise regimen for it to go away and stay away. There has to be a continuation. There has to be an endurance, there has to be a perseverance in eating habits and in exercise in order for the weight to go away and to stay away. And we have a real lackluster Christianity many times. We look around at our, 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 our world today and our culture and our society. We have a lot of people who claim Christ. Oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower. But there's nothing enduring, nothing persevering, nothing continuing about their life that shows that they're really a committed follower of Jesus. The evidence is lacking, just like the person who claims, I have a gym membership. I'm a member at Gold's Gym or LA Fitness or whatever it might be. The YMCA. I'm a member. Where's the evidence? Where's the weight loss? Where's the muscle building? Where is the, the proof where is it that shows? You go to the doctor and the doctor wants to know if you've lost weight or if you've been doing your exercises or keeping up with your particular diet plan or whatever it might be. The doctor wants to know, is there evidence of change, of habit, of lifestyle? Whatever it might be that is required of that particular commitment. People all the time claim Christ, but there's no remaining, there's no staying, there's no abiding for a person to have evidence of continuing in the truth, first of all, I think this one's obvious, they must know Christ as their Savior. For one to even be a continuing, committed disciple of Christ, they must first of all truly know Christ as one Savior. John 1 and verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John emphasizes belief throughout his gospel. That's one of the themes of the Gospel of John. So for there to be continuation, there must, first of all, be that initial commitment, having trusted Christ, having repented of one's sins, and placed one's faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross and His resurrection. That's the first part of this commitment, of this continuation. But secondly, there has to be a knowing of the Word of God, an abiding in Christ. John chapter 15, Lord willing, we'll eventually get to John 15, and we'll talk about abiding in Christ, and talk about Christ being the true vine. But to, to, to continue in the word, to continue in the truth, means that we must know the word of God. Not for Bible trivia, not just for factual knowledge, not just like a textbook, but knowing the Word of God to know Christ. 
It's important for us to know the trivia, to know the facts, to know the knowledge, to have the knowledge, to, to know the facts in Scripture. But that's not enough. Do we study the Bible? Do we memorize Scripture? Do we know the Word of God to know Christ? If we're studying the Word, if we're knowledgeable of the Word, because we seek that relationship with Christ, we want to know Christ better, that I may know Him and the fellowship of His sufferings, Paul writes in Philippians 3. If we are truly coming to church and sitting under the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, if we're in our personal devotions and we are a student of the Word because we want to know Christ, then we will be continuing in the truth. But if the Bible is just a set of black prints on white pages, just a set of facts, a, a textbook, then are we truly knowing the Word of God to know Christ? I'm glad we have a Kids for Truth program. I'm glad we have children's Sunday schools. I would love to, Lord willing, one day have a children's church program as well. It's important for us to give our young people the Scripture. I'm thankful that I was in children's Sunday school from basically the time that I could walk <laughs> to, 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 to just be able to sit in a chair for a period of time and listen to a teacher. I was in Sunday school. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for parents who had me in Awana clubs and had me in children's programs and I went to junior church and children's church and Midler church. I talked about Eric Miller being here and speaking and how he was my junior church teacher and it was under his teaching that I remember going uh, forward and going into a side room and, and praying, Lord, I'll be whatever you want me to be. And I'm thankful that I was in those places where I heard the word of God and was taught the word of God. And I won some prizes sometimes. I even got to go on a trip to Kings Island in the youth group because I learned enough verses and I, and I, I had enough of my, uh, my points that I earned for various service opportunities. And I'm thankful for those. And I got to go to Kings Island and I fell asleep listening to the Los Angeles Lakers beat the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals as I'm drenched from being on Amazon Falls or whatever it was called at Kings Island, whatever it's called now. I don't even know if it's there. I'm thankful for that. Philippians 2 has been in my heart for years since I memorized Philippians 2 in my youth group. But none of that knowledge of the facts of the Bible, earning points to go on a trip to King's Island, none of that really matters if the Bible is just a textbook, if it's just trivia, if it's just a way to earn points to get a prize. I'm thankful for a Kids for Truth program where there's rewards and there are prizes. There needs to be, but I'm thankful that the Kids for Truth not just has the children memorize verses, but also teaches them the doctrinal truth, the principle, the biblical principle that goes with it. We have to be students of the Word of God, not just for the facts, not just for the intellectual knowledge, but for knowing Christ for spiritual maturity, for discernment, for sensitivity to sin, for the development of the fruit of the spirits, and for our own prayer life, for our fellowship with our Savior. That's part of the dialogue that we have with our Savior. He speaks to us through His Word, and we speak to Him in prayer. Continuing in the truth means we know Christ as our Savior, and it means that we know the Word of God 
to know Christ, who is the living Word of God. We read in Colossians 3 and verse 16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Do we ever have the Word of God so in our hearts that it results in a singing, that it results in a supplication, that it results in a joy that we just can't contain. There are certain things that we are passionate about. There are certain things that are on the tip of our tongue. There are certain things that we are quick to share. And nothing wrong with those most of the time. Most of the time it's a subject, it's something that we enjoy, it's something near and dear to us, something that we are involved in. Nothing wrong with sharing our excitement about these particular activities or certain things that happen. But is the joy of the Lord in our hearts such that we can't help but talk to others about the things of God. That we can't help but share our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with others. Because there's such a joy of dwelling richly in the words of Christ Jesus. May that be true of us as disciples of Christ that we first of all know Christ as our Savior. That we know the Word of God. We are abiding in Him And then as we read in Ephesians 3 and verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. What does discipleship do as we know the word of God, as we abide in Christ, as that joy of the Lord comes out in our words, in our song, in our conversations? There is a love. There is a love that comes out of our life. A love for others. We're not perfect at it. None of us are. Some of us are more people, persons than others. Some of us are a little more introverted or reclusive. And and, and that's okay to a point. But we are still called into this world. And we still have to have relationships. We still have relationship commitments that we have to meet. And that means that we have to exercise those relationships in love. And if the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, if Christ is dwelling in our hearts by faith, he's at home in our life because we know him, we know his word, we're continuing in the truth, we are abiding in Christ, then that root and that ground of our love that is in Christ, it comes out in our service for others, in our love for others. Where are we at in our discipleship, in our commitments? We know Christ is our Savior. Are we a good student of the Word? Do we know the Word of of God? Are we good students and a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth? But what about our obedience? So discipleship, yes, as continuing in the truth, we are first of all saved. We know Christ as our Savior. We know Christ through the Word. We're students of the Word. We're studying the Word. We're Applying the word, but thirdly, we also must be obedient to the word. Discipleship involves an obedience to the word of God. James 1 and verse 22, we know the verse well. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If we claim to be a disciple, we claim to be a student of the word, but we don't live obedient lives, we don't exercise that faith, then... Where is the true exercise of discipleship, the true evidence of discipleship, if we're not living obedient lives? Again, 
We know Christ is our Savior. We are students of the Word of God. But where is the evidence of our discipleship in our daily lives? Is there obedience? Is there an active service for the Lord? It doesn't always mean a specific ministry in the church, though that is often needed. I think sometimes that there's a tendency in our society today because of a, 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 a non-committal kind of attitude that seems to be pervasive in society. There, there's sometimes an attitude that I come to church and it's what I can get out of church, what the church can do for me. And there's many times a mentality in church attendance that becomes a sit and a soak and a sour kind of mentality. When it really should be a serving, when it should be a sacrifice type of mentality. And yes, we want to, there to be good giving and there's principles of tithe and giving. Yes, we, we want there to be uh, the right kind of worship style and the right kind of, uh, of sermon we want there to be those, those right things that, that God orders in His Word. But there's also spiritual giftedness. There's also a place where God has called me to serve with the gifts He has given me. And many times those can be exercised right in the church. And sometimes it's not a very visible thing. It can just be like today, helping out in the background with tables and chairs and trash and setting up things for food. Sometimes it's a security team. Sometimes it's the nursery. And I've been in ministries where it's the nursery, yes, but I'm only going to work in the nursery if I get to work with so-and-so. And if I don't get to work with so-and-so, count me out, I'm not going to work with that person. You can't expect me to do that with them. That's the, the, the attitude that is, is not one of sacrifice and service and of love that we need in the church. But obedience to the Word of God, being a doer of the Word and not a hearer only, it, it means that, that we are living a life of principle. We're living a life based on the commands, the principles, and the promises of God's Word. Even when it's hard. We obey the Word of God, regardless of what the culture says, regardless of whether the culture considers it politically correct or not. We remain faithful to the Word of God. We obey. We're principled people. We're people of integrity because our calling is to Christ. We are His disciple. We are followers of Him. So what He says, I must do. Some of you have been in the military or you have family that's in the military. What happens when a private says, I'm not going to listen to you, Sergeant. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't feel like doing that drill today. Four o'clock in the morning, get out of bed, put on my gear, and go run for how many miles? I'm tired. Go point a gun out there at the target range, at the firing range. Don't you realize my bones hurt from that five-mile hike we had yesterday? No way. What happens to a private in the Army who has that kind of attitude? They're gone. They're court-martialed or worse, whatever the case may be. 
KP duty to begin with, latrine duty, I don't know, whatever it is, they, 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 the punishments start to come and eventually there is a dishonorable discharge. There's consequences. But we have people who claim to know Christ. I'm a disciple, but where's the service? Where's the obedience? Where's the faithful living? Now notice what we see here. This is a continuing in my word. Verse 31, Jesus says, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Now notice what he equates my word with. Verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He equates his word with the truth. Jesus is saying once again, as we will also see in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is claiming his words are the truth, the truth of God. So what does a disciple continue in? He continues in the truth. He continues in the truth of God. He continues in God's revealed word, the truth. That means that the truth is what will ultimately set us free. And we'll get to that here, Lord willing, in just a moment. But this word truth, it's a very important word in the context of this passage and obviously in life itself. Because God's word is truth. A disciple lives according to the truth and in the truth and in protection of the truth and according to the truth. So think about the lies that are out there. Think about how much we accommodate lies in our personal lives, in our spiritual lives. You know, there are lies that we live, hypocrisy, living a double life. That's a lie. That's not living as a disciple should, continuing in the truth. If we are hypocrites, and again, we've talked about hypocrisy before, we're all hypocrites at some time. The definition of a hypocrite is me at some time in my life, somewhere, sometime, we're all hypocrites. But there's a life of hypocrisy that is particularly disgraceful. Living a dual life, different at home than you are at work. Different at the place of recreation than you are at home. Different at church than you are at home. We should not live... A life of hypocrisy. Let your love be without dissimulation, we read. Let your life be, let your love be without hypocrisy. There are lies we tell. There are lies that we excuse. Whether we call them little white lies or not that big of a deal, it didn't hurt anybody. But Scripture says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Lying is an abomination unto the Lord. The scriptures don't say, well, that little lie, that's no big deal. The big lies, those are the ones that I really don't like. No, lying is an abomination. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Do we have lying in our life by the way we live, by what we say? Well, our, our kids know that when certain people call, okay, or certain people are around, tell them this. Because mom and dad don't really want to be around them or do that. Or go, you know, and there's the, the, the different lies that we get involved in that we excuse because of convenience. 
There's the lies that we tell that are just outright lies to our boss, to our employees, to the manager at work, to people in our relationships at home or wherever it might be. That's not continuing in the truth. And then there are the lies that we believe. Everything from false religion, which are obvious lies, doctrinal errors. But there are lies about God that sometimes even people who claim to be disciples of Christ, they begin to believe that God isn't really good. That, that, that God doesn't really have my best interest at heart. That, that God isn't really working all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Sometimes there's a, a little lie that we'll believe that kind of goes like this. I have been a good person. I don't deserve this. And ultimately, that's a lie about God. That's a hard one to swallow sometimes. Why do bad things happen to good people? We often ask. When really the question ought to be asked, why do good things happen to bad people? Job was a righteous man who eschewed evil, hated evil, loved God, yet God allowed suffering in his life. There is what would be considered a good man. Was God wrong to allow Satan to afflict him? Was God wrong to allow suffering in his life? No, God was still good. God was still holy. God had a purpose and a plan. Even in the sufferings that we experience, God is still good. He is still holy. He is still righteous in all his ways. But we'll believe lies about God. We'll believe lies about biblical principles. We'll excuse them. We'll rationalize them. We'll spiritualize them away. Lies about child-rearing. We'll, we'll, we'll accept and excuse sinful behavior by our own children in our homes, and we lie to ourselves. We aren't continuing in the truth like we should because we're excusing sin in our own homes. And that's lies that are being promulgated in our homes with our children that we don't deal with. There are lies about others, assuming the worst automatically thinking the worst about others, telling evil reports, jumping to the wrong conclusions, not thinking the best of someone, but automatically just assuming that they have the wrong motives and they're saying something that they shouldn't be saying about me or my kids or whatever it might be. We can be I've been guilty of that. Gossip can often be a way in which we accommodate lies when we're called as disciples to continue in the truth. We lie about sin, don't we? It won't affect me. Sin won't affect me. I can handle it. As a matter of fact, I'm such a spiritual Joe that that sin doesn't affect me. I can watch all that. I can listen to all that. I can do all that. And I will come out just squeaky clean because I'm a spiritual Christian. I'm a long-time Christian. Is that what a disciple does? who continues in the truth? No. A disciple of Christ continues in the truth, is sensitive to sin, avoids sin when evil makes an appearance, avoids it, proves what is good and holds fast to it, proves all things and holds fast to what is good. And then there are the cultural lies from evolution to the lies about the unborn to lies about sexual orientation and gender identity, to even lies about the use of pronouns now. 
There are some Christians who have had to take a stand in their places of work because they refuse to call a little boy her. And they have lost their job because they don't want to speak the lie that affirms a little boy transgendering to be a little girl who identifies as a little girl and wants to be identified with the pronouns she or her. And there have been believers who have stood for the truth and will not use she, her for a little boy who identifies as a girl because that would be saying a lie about that child who is a male gender. We can go on and on with the examples. Lies are everywhere in society. There are politicians. We know every time they speak, they are lying. That's all they do when their lips are moving. How do you know when a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. But what if that's the reputation that we have? What if that is what we have as our reputation? People know us. We can't be trusted because we're living a double life, because they know that our lips are telling lies. We're manipulative and we're gossiping and all the other ways in which we accommodate lies and falsehoods. Discipleship is demanding, isn't it? It requires a continuing in the truth. Today's message was only going to have two points. I'm only going to be able to finish one. So I'm going to have to come back, Lord willing, next week and talk about the second mark of discipleship from this passage. And that is righteous living. Righteous living is another mark of true discipleship that we will find in this passage. And that's going to speak to our living a holy life. Because Jesus is going to deal once again with sin. Verse 34. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. He whose life is patterned by sin. He or she whose life is continuing in sin, unrepentant, unforgiven, bold and brash, continuing in a lifestyle and a habit of sin, unbroken and refusing to repent, that person is showing that they are truly a servant of sin. And Jesus will actually come to the place where he will call those people who live in sin and call themselves holy and righteous, he will call them children of the devil. We'll get to that eventually in John 8. But again, are we true disciples of Jesus Christ? Are we born again? Are we following him truly? And if so, are we showing our discipleship by our knowledge of the word, our knowledge of Jesus Christ? We know the word and we love the word and we are students of the word. But then are we obedient to the word? Obedient to the truth. Ye shall know the truth, and it's the truth that will make us free. We'll get to that, Lord willing, next week as we come back to this passage and we talk some more about righteous living being a mark of true discipleship. I hope and pray that each and every one of us in here are true disciples and that we are living a life of true discipleship. 
that knows Christ better and is obedient to the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you will help us, Lord, to live lives of truth. Lord, there are so many lies that are portrayed on the screen, that are sung in the music, that are in the headlines, that come at us from so many different directions. Lord, if we're not careful, we will begin to accommodate and to allow lies to be lived out, to be accepted, to be believed in our lives if we're not careful. We must know the truth, for it's ultimately your truth that sets us free, free from our sin and the bondage that sin brings. Lord, I pray that you will help us to meet the demands of discipleship. It may cost us something that the world offers, but Lord, it will be so much more worth it to serve you, to have eternal riches by remaining obedient and faithful to the word of God. Lord, I pray if there's someone here who does not know you as their Savior, they're not a true disciple because they've never been born again. Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you will do your work in our hearts even as we sing this closing song. In Jesus' name.